Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by our Family Life Administrator, Jade Bowie. Jade, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm sure many of us across our locations don't know you that well. So uh, just walk us through some of your personal story and kind of your family dynamic and help us to get a bit of an inside look into your, uh, your real life before we talk about your ministry life. Sure. Well, um, my husband Greg and I have attended Southridge for about seven years. It's just before we got married. Um, we have two awesome little ones. Adeline will be four in August. Joel will be two in June. And baby number three, we're expecting in September. Um, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, I uh, grew up in St. Catharines, so born and raised in Niagara. I went to Brock for university. Um, like I said, Greg and I will have been married for seven years soon. Um, yeah. And, uh, I didn't grow up with a faith background at all. Greg grew up Hmm. Catholic. Okay. Um, so when we got engaged, we, I had personally started exploring things and praying and attending other churches, but when we got engaged, we really wanted to find a faith and a church that we could be part of and, and follow together. That was something that felt right for both of us. So we tried out a few churches and landed on Southridge. We both just felt really comfortable and at home here. Um, and it took us a few years of attending before we actually got involved in something, um, with half of us being more interested in plugging in than the other half. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I finally convinced Greg to attend a lifeline event one year with the promise that, oh, we don't actually have to join a life group. Let's just see what it's going to be all about. Um, so we go and the first person we sit down beside was, uh, Shane Ritzma and him and Greg had both just started home brewing. So it's talked about that and, yeah, so I said a prayer of thanks to Jesus. And <laughs> <laughs> they were home brewing coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, it was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story. I uh, when I see Jade in the hallways, we we are the two parents on staff of daughters named Adeline. So that's sort of our connection, but they're spelled differently, yeah. right? So we we yeah, there's lots of different spellings yeah, of uh, those names. We can we can clarify that. Um, from there. Uh, talk a little bit about how you ended up on staff. These are cool journeys, and I love to hear every time uh, how God promotes people from within so often around here. How did that happen for you? Yeah, well, I mentioned that I went to Brock for school, and I worked there while I was in school. I ended up working full-time there when I graduated. Um, so I started off in the international office and then went into some admin work. But I felt for a couple years that just a stirring inside me that it wasn't where I was supposed to be, that God had something kind of more purposeful for me. Um, Didn't know what it was at first, but I felt like it had to do with ministry. Um, So I talked to Ben Lockyer about it, and he let me know about changes happening in the family ministry team, and there was this new structure coming and new positions. Um, So we talked about some of the new family life pastor positions when they came out when there was the three locations. Um, but he kind of said, hold tight, we're getting this admin role as well to, to kind of be part of everything. Um, yeah, and that actually didn't come out till like a year after this conversation, that position was posted. So in that time, I had um, started this holy yoga instructor training, um, which is basically faith-based yoga. So I was able to get some awesome Bible study and ministry training, as well as the yoga instructor training. Um, yeah, and then applied for the, the new role at Southridge, finished up my training, and came on staff with the family ministry team. 
And do the yoga on the side. Yes. I also found out I was pregnant with Joel the same week that I started on staff. Yes, so. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a it's been a fun nice few years. surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jade runs a holy yoga experience as part of our staff retreat every summer. And uh, you've done this now a few times with student ministry and in some different environments yeah. with the church as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on a little bit in our family ministry, the way that it's organized around these, uh, kind of segments of family ministry from age zero, all the way through student life and marriage and parenting and whatever. And so we've got these family life pastors who specialize in each of those segments, uh, but who then on Sundays kind of double as an all-in-one family life pastor for their location because the specialists that are driving these uh, programs and ministries during the week are all working together in the same office pod. And uh, your role as the family life admin is to kind of partner with these pastors and provide them some of the infrastructural and, and backbone, uh, uh, backbone support of that. Can you just give us a picture of what it's like to work in that department with those uh, uh, you know, kids pastor, youth pastor types, and uh, to be a, an administratively strong person. How fun is that? How chaotic is that? Is it all of that? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, give it's, us a window. It's fun. Into- it's chaotic. <laughs> um, yeah. So with my job, like you mentioned, I get to be involved in supporting um, all of our programs for kids zero to 18, as well as our marriage and parenting supports at all three locations. So it's always something different. I can go from doing database stuff or helping onboard new volunteers um, communicating with people, sending out newsletters to ordering toilet paper rolls on Amazon. So (laughs) (laughs) I've often said, this is, this is how am I doing both of these things in one day? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's funny. Um, but yeah, so I get to do that admin support, um, but also be involved in sharing the vision of family ministry, leading some of our teams, um, like our special needs team, um, and overseeing our plan to protect, um, yeah, and just providing that ongoing support to our volunteers. We have about 300 volunteers in family ministries. So, yeah, it's always fun, yeah. always exciting. That is no small job. Um, we're ultimately here to talk about this new initiative uh, in our special needs ministry. Uh, but before we do, you mentioned that a huge part of your role is this plan to protect Uh I don't know how better to address that than in a conversation with you. I'd love to camp out on that for a few minutes. So just for all of our members across all of our locations who are listening, what is Plan to Protect? We affectionately know it as PTP around here, but uh, just describe for us what Plan to Protect is. Yeah, so Plan to Protect, um, it's a bunch of things. It's our policy, but also our mission that we use to define the reality and also the prevalence of abuse at large. Um, And we also use it to clarify appropriate behaviors and procedures to help us prevent abuse happening within our community here at Southridge um, and create the safest space we can within our programs. So it guides all the training that we provide to our leaders within family ministry and all of our staff, um, as well as things like our policies about ratios, how many leaders we have in each room with the kids. Um, And we kind of guide our leaders how they're to engage with with kids in appropriate ways um, and interact with students in their groups. Uh, biggest question I find that, that people even, they ask me, but when I find myself in conversations, people ask why we have a plan to protect. So can, from your perspective, as the person who's carrying this on behalf of our church, what's your why as far as the, the PTP around here? Well, unfortunately, abuse is very common, especially within the church. You're always hearing stories about different things mm-hmm. happening within all denominations. It's not specific to one area. 
Um, and there's different stats depending on the year and country and organization, but something like one in five or one in four women um, and men experience abuse within their lifetime. Um, so it's very likely and almost a guarantee that we're going to be interacting with people who have experienced that in the past. So we just want to be doing everything we can to protect the children entrusted to our care, to create safe environments to help them grow in their relationship with God and actually understand what that father love for God is for them. Um, and as believers, we all have a responsibility to enable our young people to seek God in a safe way. Um, so we don't want to create any opportunity for abuse to happen here at Southridge. We want to be doing everything we can to prevent it. But we also want our leaders to understand what it is and to be looking for signs of it so that they can protect the kids that they're interacting yeah, with. And how to respond if they mm-hmm. see or experience a situation like that. Yeah. I, I hope our members are are tracking with this. You did a really good job articulating that and, and the number of times you use the word safe. Um, I mean, to be quite blunt, sometimes when I'm interacting with people, they assume that you know, this is just some insurance requirement or, you know, because of the reality that we live in such a litigious culture these days that now these plans to protect, I mean, you see them even in schools, you know, the, all of this is on the rise. Those are not the primary drivers for us. And I want to affirm from my seat, what you're articulating in your seat, that unfortunately, unfortunately regrettably, brokenness, and ultimately abuse is real and we want to do everything in our power as far as it depends on us to provide a protected safe space or at least as much safety as possible uh you know i think about in the scriptures when you know jesus got little kids around him and he says hey you know he basically says almost cursed you if 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 you cause one of these little ones to stumble like there's a sacredness about you know children and the way that they experience and learn about and 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 grow in god and we don't want to be an impediment in any way that we can prevent and so plan to protect is our best efforts to try to cultivate that safety of space for kids and developing young adults to Learn, grow, enjoy community, seek, serve, whatever, in a safe way, as well as respond in the unfortunate situation that we would discover that that abuse exists. So I just want everyone to be real clear on that why. And if in your gut, you know, especially if you're a participant in kids ministry and there are some requirements, which we're going to talk about, there are some requirements that you're engaging in that feel somewhat burdensome or inconvenient. Uh, this is a burden that we are all collectively bearing on God's behalf, on behalf of the reputation of the bride of Christ that we are as a church, and most mostly on behalf of the kids who we are doing everything we can to protect. So, uh, you know, really embrace the why behind this as opposed to reducing to some sort of necessary paperwork. Um, yeah. And as a parent, I appreciate that our leadership and board cares about this and has that why, knowing that my kids are going to be protected when they're in the care of their leaders. Yeah, this isn't just a haphazard dot some I's and cross some T's. This Mm -hmm. is a massively core value to us. And uh, again, I love the way that you repeated the the term safety. That's ultimately what this is about as far as it depends on us. Um, Procedurally, because this is an absolute bear in your job description, (laughs) the the whole world of PTP. what What does PTP require? I mean, you can talk about it from your perspective, but also of a ministry leader or parent, or just talk about what, what goes into us having a plan to protect. 
Yeah, well, um, we can all be assured that anyone who's serving in family ministry who interacts with kids in our environments really cares about those kids. Um, because before they even begin getting to know the kids, they've been part of our community for at least six months. They've had an interview with a member of our staff. They've completed an application package. Um, everybody gets a vulnerable sector police um, screening check completed and participates in our abuse prevention training, our PTP training. And we also check references. So it is a, a big onboarding process, but I think it really shows how much all of our leaders really care. Yeah, like in those applications, you have to have references and those mm. references get checked. I've been yeah. referenced, I've been a, a referee, I guess, mm. um, f- for a number of people. And I get those calls every time to to do the formality of, of checking in on that. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a apply for a job level uh, kind of seriousness and onboarding in that regard. Yeah. And then people, all of our leaders do an annual training review. Um, they have to have police checks renewed every five years. Um, and we also really take seriously, we're always being aware of ratios that, like I mentioned before. So like in the nursery, we have one leader for every three kids. Um, for our high school kids, we have one leader for every 10 kids. So each age group, depending on their vulnerability, um, has different ratios. We guide, give guidelines of what would be ways for leaders to engage in appropriate or inappropriate touch with their kids. We always have two unrelated adults in every room. Um, and even if you start to look around our buildings, you notice that we have windows in the doorways and we have doors that don't lock. And we um, really take have taken seriously in the modifications that we've done to our facilities, how to eliminate places where abuse could happen as much as we can. Um, and I also um, did training in the fall recently to be certified to be a plan to protect trainer. So now we're doing training um, at Southridge in-house. So it's really personalized to our environments and um I think also helps really show our leaders the heart behind it and the why behind it. Mm-hmm. And just so we're clear, the PTP uh, responsibilities and, and the training that we offer doesn't just apply to the postage stamps of the, the Southridge properties. Mm-hmm. Like there's also yeah. offsite parameters and guidelines and whatever too. Talk about those a little bit. Yeah. And even in today's world of where most kids, teenagers are engaging um, online and on social media. So we have guidelines of how we want our leaders to be engaging safely with kids and modeling to them appropriate ways to engage in social media. So, for example, we always use group emails or messages as opposed to communicating one on one online. Things like doing it wall to wall, um, communicating information instead of relationship building. And then when our leaders are meeting with kids off site, it's still that same having two adults there two unrelated adults, I should say, um, meeting in a public space. We don't drive with kids for the most part because there would be other requirements that we'd have. Um, but yeah, unless we have, yeah, so basically um, kids and leaders meet wherever they're meeting as opposed to driving together. Um, when we do off-site trips, the ratios actually go in half. So we have even double the amount of leaders yeah. when kids are in more vulnerable situations. Yeah. Um, I mean, bottom, bottom line, you you alluded to this already, Jade, as a, as a parent, um, because of all of this comprehensive plan to protect, what can a parent at Southridge be confident in? What can we be confident in because of this? Yeah, I think that we can be confident in um, that it's not just about fulfilling an insurance requirement and that we've really put our, as the saying goes, put our money where our mouth is. We put significant financial and time investment resources into, in an ongoing way into doing what we can to ensure this abuse prevention and create safe environments where leaders and kids can build relationships. And as ministry team members across our locations, what would you say to us? What can we be confident in and know when it comes to PTP? 
Um, yeah, so that's the other cool part, that it's not just about the kids, because um, we also want to be protecting our leaders. False accusations do happen, unfortunately, and could be just as damaging if, um, you know, word gets out or people go through that. So if we're actually following these practices, if we're not meeting one-on-one with students, if we're not being alone in rooms, then we're not even creating the opportunity for that to happen um, or for there to be any misunderstanding or miscommunication because there'll always be more than one person there, more than one voice, and it just makes it as safe as possible. Awesome. Well, I mean, on behalf of the rest of our team, uh, you guys and gals who are listening to this, you got to know the work that uh, this young lady puts into making this a safe space through the implementation of all that is our plan to protect. It's really, uh, it's really a fantastic piece of her role. Uh, ultimately, though, it's not what I wanted to talk about because in this administrative role that you play in our family ministry, Jade, uh, you have kind of spearheaded this brand new initiative to serve families with children who have special needs. And so I want to talk about special needs ministry today. Um, at the very beginning, though, uh, just give us the backstory out on where this initiative and this sense of calling came from as a church and even in you personally. Can you just tell us the, the founding narrative? I always love to hear the history lesson in the founding narrative. Give us the founding narrative with regards to special needs ministry. Um, yeah, so it's been a conversation and a desire in all of the family ministry team's hearts since I came on staff almost three years ago. Um, we've wanted to do better to support kids with family um, with special needs. We've wanted to serve their families well, um, but just haven't dedicated the time, the resources, had the right people, for whatever reason, haven't focused on it. Um, but this past year, we've just, we've, we've talked about how physically inaccessible our St. Catherine's location in particular is. Um, but again, we haven't had the funds. And then this past year, we've really seen this desire grow. We've had a group of leaders from all three locations kind of organically speak up, ask about special needs, ask how they can be involved in doing something to support these families better. Um, we've had different staff members and volunteers be able to attend different workshops in special needs ministry, um, at conferences, at Bethesda, at another church. Um, we've also had the opportunity to connect and meet with churches in the USA and the UK who run successful special needs ministries and received encouragement with them to, to just start small. So all these things happening just really felt like this was rising up organically and that God really wanted to do something here at Southridge in this area. Um, and then personally having it on my heart, I don't have a background in working with kids or families with special needs. I just really feel like we could do better to serve those families and care to see it happen. So I've just kind of felt this spur to, to press forward and, and to work hard and to put timelines in place so that we actually um, could launch something and see something happen. Yeah, the thing I love about this that I hope our members can pick up on as they're hearing the, the story behind this is the way God moves organically when people will pay attention to needs around them and pay attention or, or ask the question how we could do better right? Paying attention to the needs around you and asking the question how we can do better. That opens up a conversation and as a result, a, a kingdom creativity that often God blossoms. And so even way beyond uh, kids ministry or family ministry or even special needs ministry, for everyone who's listening across our locations and all of our ministry areas, you know, think about in your context what, you know, uh, 
paying greater attention to the needs around you and asking how we could do better could stimulate some kingdom creativity in your ministry area too. Because this stuff, once you give it that kind of attention, God does some really cool things. Um, you, you'd already mentioned one of the cool things was the 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 sense of assembling all kinds of other players at the table. Talk about how that evolved and where these people came from, what their backgrounds were and interests and why they were starting to care about this. Um, yeah, so we've had different people who are either currently leading in family ministry or just a part of the Southridge community ask us about it or know somebody affected by special needs. Um, and so we just kind of started talking about it. Another thing is, I don't know if I can speak for our church as a whole, but I think generally as a, as a staff, we don't really like to do anything unless we can do it perfectly. Um, but some of the encouragement we've received, received is instead of trying to be perfect or start big, to just start with something, um, to surround mm-hmm. ourselves with experts, to help us know how to start and to start small and just to see how it grows. So we have this advisory group kind of, that we've been calling it, of people from all three locations. And we've met to kind of dream and plan and and think big, but also to look at how we can start small to do that. Um, and then we've kind of broken it down into tasks and timelines from there. We have a leader in family ministry who also volunteers her time during the week, Tamara Mose, who's helped um, set up a lot of this. And she does have a professional background um, working with the special needs community. So she's helped set up some of our supports and create sensory boxes and things like that. Um, so I've learned a lot, we've learned a lot and grown a lot, but I would also want people to know that we kind of have these experts guiding it and helping um, advise us. Yeah, it feels like two two groups of people have emerged. People who, for whatever reason, have a heart for this. They're either their family's affected by this or they know people personally or they're in that world. Uh, and so they have a heart for this. It's on their radar. And then the other kind of person, they might be the same, but not always, is a, a person who brings expertise in this area. And I, I would say, and we'll talk about this later as well, but you know, if you're listening to this and you have expertise or personal experience that you want to share in this, by all means, we want to include oh, yeah, you in part that. of the, the conversation as well. Um, from the perspective of you though, Jade, as a person who's kind of driving this, but never had personal experience or expertise, what would you say some of the, the early learnings are for you? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that I've learned, um, that have been huge is, yeah, like I said, to start small. So it doesn't have to be this huge grand program. We don't have to offer our own programs. We're not, we're not doing that, but to do some simple modifications just to make our, our programs that we are offering more accessible. Um, so things like having different size pencils and markers that are maybe bigger than the normal, but would help a kid with fine motor difficulties. That's an easy thing that we can just purchase and put in our supply bins and keep an eye on and see who's using it. Um, but can make a huge difference for kids um, and can help with behavioral issues as well. So it would help our leaders manage their mornings well. Um, I've also learned that many families who have children with exceptionalities simply don't come to church, not just Southridge, but any church, because they don't feel like they belong or they don't feel like there's a program for them or that they will be judged or that we won't support their kids. Um, And that's just heartbreaking because... I don't think any church intentionally wants to be exclusive. We want to include everybody, but by not intentionally being aware of different learning styles or being intentional about kind of creating this no judgment zone, then it can feel exclusive for families. Mm, Which just to press pause on that, we've been learning this in a number of different ways, right? Just because you don't intentionally exclude does not mean that you are effectively including. Right. Exactly. Just because you don't intentionally exclude doesn't mean you're intentionally including. And, and that's that's a very hard lesson to learn and 
and apply. So other learnings? Didn't want to interrupt. Um, yeah, I guess just the last thing would be that um, learnings from our current leaders. So we've talked to um, our small group leaders in MS and um, all of our program leaders and just learning about kind of the behavioral issues that they struggle with in their classrooms and what they're seeing so that we can support them better um, in kind of leading these programs each week. Okay. I loved as well the the comment of being willing to start small and even some of the perfectionism or the scale that we tend to kind of live with around here. I heard someone once say that, you know, all all progress is preceded by motion, right? All progress is preceded like by motion. And the point is get something moving first mm-hmm. and then you can move it forward or develop it or grow it from there. And so you know, in, in that place that all of us, as we're listening, might find ourselves where we start paying attention to needs around us and start opening up the conversation of kingdom creativity around that, um, you know, realize that we're not going to progress <laughs> until we get some motion behind it. And so starting small and just doing something is often a way for God to open the door for for greater stuff. Now, uh, in, in the case of special needs at Southridge, this is now resulting in basically for the fall, as I understand it, kind of the uh, a more official launch of this new ministry opportunity. Um, what, what do you believe that we'll be able to offer to families and kids with special needs? Yeah. So we have actually done kind of, I guess, like a soft launch, um, mainly in St. Catharines, somewhat in Vineland as well. Um, so we've developed quiet areas and movement areas um, in St. Catharines and Vineland. And I should say we're not leaving Welland out. Welland is also part of the plan, but the need is just higher in the other spaces. Um, And St. Catharines in particular is not physically accessible for somebody. So we're kind of, again, starting small and directing our resources where we can. Um, But yeah, so the purpose of these quiet and movement areas is to give kids um, a place to take a two to five minute break during their program and either have some space to recharge and be free from all of the sensory overstimulation that's in MS, or maybe get some energy out by moving strategically before returning to their groups. Um, and so, yeah, so these also, all of our supports are not just for kids with identified special needs. They're for any kid to help them engage better. So if there's a child who's having an off day or who, you know, is behave, has behavioral issues that day, they can take a break in the, in the quiet area. Um, it's not a place for a punishment. It's just an option for them and a way for them to be more present and engaged um, while, they're, while they're with us at church. Um, we've also updated our new family form that new families fill out when they come in and created an additional form called an All About Me. So those are available at all three locations right now. Um, so parents can fill those out for their, their kids if they want and let us know the best way to support their kids, what works and what doesn't, what we should know, what's important to their kids, what they struggle with. And again, this is a great way to support a child with exceptionalities and to have a document that has all of that written. But any parent will be welcome to fill that out if their child, you know, is anxious or nervous or if they have something special that would help us provide the best experience. Yeah, that was going to be a question I was going to ask is, is how are we even facilitating this? Like how do, how do these specific needs get identified, let alone supported? Mm-hmm. So we've got forms and things that people now in the check-in process can be encouraged to complete yeah. and invited to, to uh, give us the details of. Yeah. So it's part of the, the new family process, but we'll also need parents to reach out for us if they want us to know anything and to be in communication with their, their child's leaders. Um, like I, I mentioned earlier, we've updated our supplies, so we've mixed in different size pencils and markers, things like clay and Play-Doh for kids who might want to mold something instead of writing. Um, 
Maybe a kid wants to play a shaker instead of singing during worship time. So we're just working on making these available for all kids and helping our leaders see when to offer them and how to use them. Um, we actually provided inclusivity training to all of our leaders in family ministry in April to let them know why we're doing this, kind of this founding story conversation, and how it will actually both support families better, but also support our leaders better. Because we don't want our existing leaders um, to feel like we're asking them to do something else or something more. Um, but we actually think this will be easier for them to manage their current classrooms as well as welcome new students in and feel like they've been equipped to support them well. Yeah, special needs ministry, to be clear, because I love what you're saying here. Special needs ministry is a supplement mm-hmm. of extra supports mm-hmm. to the existing system. So it's not it's not an additional burden of expectation of all kinds of expertise and deliverables on the existing system. It's to come alongside and bring extra people, extra resources, extra expertise, and uh, and to come alongside and support that, which is intended to be tremendously helpful. But there does require a little bit of awareness and just kind of basic training on behalf of the existing kids and family ministry, just to have the awareness to know how to access that extra resource, right? And to not feel overwhelmed by hearing something new. Yeah. Um, We're also working on um, our one-on-one support people. So we're calling these people family ministry support. These are people who have experience and or a passion for this area and who want to volunteer their time on Sunday mornings to be available for a child who may require one-on-one support to even be able to participate, for their parents to even be able to leave them. And then if we don't have children who require that specific support, we're still going to schedule these people to be available to assist, like I said, with students with behavioral issues, someone having an off day help students use the movement areas and the quiet areas and just kind of support the leaders who are there. So we've already started this in St. Catharines. Um, We have a family who's coming and utilizing the one-on-one support. And it's just been a great way to build a relationship and really connect with that individual child. And it it makes it possible for the child to even be here learning about God's love for them and for the parents to attend church. Um, Yeah. I mean, camping out on this, just, just for a moment, you know, you're, you're mentioning this family who's, who's bringing a child uh, that's getting one-on-one support. Uh, this family, as I understand it, they've been out of the game for years uh, when it comes to maybe not faith, but participating in a local church context. It just isn't feasible for them as a family to be able to do faith and community in this way without that kind of support for this special needs child. And so it's been really cool to even just see the whole family benefit, not just the the child as significant as that is for the kid. Uh, the whole family now can access the, the benefits and the dynamics of a Sunday morning gathering uh, because there's something here for their for their kid, yeah, which is really cool to see. Yeah, they came for the first time on Easter, which made me happy that they were able to participate in that. And I think the trust piece, having these leaders in place and the parents getting to know them and getting to know the child is huge for parents feeling comfortable leaving their child when they do have yeah. higher needs like that. Um, and then I guess the, the last piece is our facilities modifications. So Craig and Dana, our facilities team, have been working hard to really support us in um, – this launch. Um, and in St. Catharines, like I mentioned, our kids areas aren't totally accessible. Um, so even to get into the, the gym, once you go up the kids hallway, there's still stairs to go down again. Um, and we haven't ever had the space to create ramps based on the distance that you need per height. Um, so we've, we're clearing out space behind the stage in the MS gym, and the plan is for a ramp to be built by September so that um, anybody, kids or leaders, with any kind of physical challenge can, can take part in MS. And this is another area where we've just seen God kind of blessing this and making it possible 
Um, the labor and supplies for the ramp were donated by people in our community. Um, we've applied for grants to be able to get a lift installed in the stairs leading up to the kids' hallway in St. Catharines. So we appreciate prayers for that to come through. Um, yeah, we're putting in changing facilities in our kids' washrooms. We'll be looking at doing that for children who are larger than infants but might not be toilet trained. Looking at updating our doorways to be accessible and just kind of figuring out the whole logistical situation of what a Sunday morning mm. would look like for a child and a family with physical limitations. Yeah, it's amazing how much the role of facility plays in this, right? And to say, you've been very diplomatic about it, but to say <laughs> our St. Catherine's facility is just flat out inaccessible in, yeah. it, in kids ministry. And, uh, and then at the same time, again, this is when you're willing to pay attention to a need and kind of open up some conversation and some kingdom creativity about it. It's amazing the way where God guides, God provides and the way that people have come to the table and stepped up. And if you're a member and you, this is gripping your heart and you want to be part of the solution and improve this in your location or across all of our locations, uh, you know, maybe respond to the prompting that you're sensing even right now of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you've got something that you could contribute to just the facility modifications, because we might not think the building is a big deal, that the building gang is a deal breaker for many people, even and if you have the people always, who want to care. Yeah. And we don't always see everything too. Like I would have never thought of having changing facilities available for older children until a mother brought it up to me and said that that's something that they need to be able to come. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, what will this all mean for our existing kids ministry? You know, by September, I realize we're kind of experimentally soft launching right now and God's affirming some things by the fall. What, what will this mean for our kids ministry? So, yeah, like I said, we're hoping in September for the St. Catherine's facility to be more accessible. There's still going to be a journey and, you know, I have dreams for, for Vineland and Welland and, and what's coming up in future years. But our existing kids programs and youth programs are going to function as always, but will hopefully be more accessible to children and to families um, who may have felt that they didn't have a place before. Um, again, children may not have an identified special need, but if we notice behavioral issues, like the leaders know who's in their classes, they know um, what kids struggle with. Um, so maybe kids are struggling with their fine motor skills and, and when they didn't have a different option of different tools, different sizes, different methods, then they get frustrated and you see that in behavioral issues. So we're hoping that the programs will run more smoothly as our leaders get more comfortable with this. Um, for kids who might need things in their hands to fidget with, we have sensory bins now available and they'll have different tools that they can use. Again, not as a distraction to them or other kids, but I mean, we all do this. How often do we scroll through our phones or tap our feet or play with our nails or our jewelry? Like it's, it's not just for kids who have these yeah. identified needs. Um, we also hope that our leaders will continue to feel more supported and more equipped, that there'll be better communication between leaders and parents um, just about their, their children and how to best support them. Um, and we're just continually more mindful of how to be more inclusive. So things like talking to our preschool leaders um, about if there's a child in a wheelchair, instead of having kids sit on the carpet in circle time, having kids bring over chairs and having everyone sit in a chair so they're at the same height instead of the one child who's not able to get down to the floor. So yeah, we're still growing and learning and, and doing that, but we're hoping that it just gets better and better. And in that spirit of, you know, Rome isn't built in a day, so we're going to choose progress that starts with motion and not wait for perfection and kind of the full zenith of all this to come together before we do anything. Um, it, it, the anxiety that I'm, I can feel is once we start 
saying that we can serve special needs uh, children and families, we may come across situations that we can't serve or that we can't yet serve. So what would you say to any of us who might want to reach out to people in our circles to invite them in to experience our kids' ministry with this extra support, but aren't sure if we're able to adequately meet a specific need? Mm -hmm. So I would want it to be clear from this conversation right now, conversations people might have with their own communities. Um, And even when I've communicated to parents, I hope it's been clear that we're still figuring this out, that we're new on this journey. We know we're not going to be doing it perfectly or to the standards that we would like, or maybe in all the ways that we should be. But our heart behind this is to support and love families better and to be more inclusive to all. Um, So I think knowing that heart can give hope to, to families who may have not felt like they've had a place to go before. And we're also still learning and growing and receiving feedback and looking for trainings that we can put our one-on-one leaders through and ways that we can be doing this better. So we welcome suggestions from, from parents of how we could specifically support them. Um, because like I said, if, if it's something and they know that we're working towards it with a goal and a timeline, then hopefully that would be hopeful um, and encouraging. We wouldn't want to just straight up turn somebody away with with yeah, no options. The, the spirit that I've loved about this, because I don't know if there's ever been a situation as you guys have developed this, if there's ever been a situation where someone has come with a special need that we've already been prepared to meet. Like every one of these has started with a, how could we serve your child better? And that initial conversation then begins or launches its own unique learning journey and strategic plan of sorts around how to address some specific issues in that specific situation that then, you know, becomes new learning and new experience that we can apply more generally. And so it's sort of, you know, I've often heard us describe God, sometimes God's no's are actually not yet's. And there, there's a sense in which that's the spirit of how this is learning and growing and developing around here. We're not offering no's in any way. We will offer some not yet's, but the not yet is, uh, it, it gets quickly converted into a, how could we help us understand better and let's strategize and partner together so that at the very least, even if we can't meet the need of a family or a child with special needs right away, what we can do right away is partner with them. And create a community and a, and a togetherness in providing those supports right from the get-go. And I think that's a pretty empowering thing. Yeah, and I would also just want to say that um, we maybe haven't done this well in the past. And families may, may have felt that they didn't have a place to go or that we weren't supporting their, their children properly. And that just makes, makes our hearts ache to think about families that we could have supported better or children who may have had negative experiences. Um, so we just want families who may have felt unsupported in the past to know that we've done the best we could at each time and now in this season with the knowledge and direction and guiding that we have our hope is really to just do better moving forward yeah that's a great comment because we might all as members listening we might all know you know people and families who you know had to leave or net out or just couldn't be part of this anymore that we've never really followed up with never owned apologized or invited in to be part of the solution and there could actually be some kind of second chance and, you know, healing and 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 restoration of those relationships potentially. So uh, that's a great comment. Let's keep that on our radars as well. Um, Jada, as we're listening to this and continuing to prepare to roll this out, even in the 101 version, if we're someone listening to this podcast and we're either passionate about this and or gifted or trained to serve kids and families with special needs, how do we get involved in this? How do we 
can contribute what we have to God doing more in this area. Yeah, please just reach out. I had someone reach out just a couple of weeks ago saying that she felt the Holy Spirit stirring her to get involved in this ministry and she just couldn't ignore it. So she's coming on as one of our one-on-one leaders and um, has is retired from a career of being involved in this. So um, if you notice something, if you have any stirrings or if this excites you, there's probably a reason why. Um, and it could be that guidance from God. So again, don't be nervous if you don't have experience in this area, if you might be interested or have a passion, but don't know what to do. Um, cause we want to support you. We want to train you. We want to equip you and we want to learn and, and grow together. Um, yeah. And specific needs, you know, we, we love the, the advisory council. We love to, we want to hear from families and hear how we can support each and every child better. Cause we know each child's unique. Um, we're still looking for one-on-one support people, maybe people who can volunteer their time to help create some of these supports. Maybe people who work in the field right now, but don't necessarily want to do it again on Sunday, but would be willing to be a mentor or a coach to some of our leaders who are rising mm. up to do this. Yeah, that's a great comment because mm. sometimes that's you know such a demanding job professionally that even though I have the expertise, I, I, I don't necessarily want to invest more of that for three or four more hours on a Sunday, but I could invest some expertise and yeah, consult and mentor some others. somebody who wants to be doing it yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah awesome. Um, similarly, if we have a child with special needs, uh, what can we do to gain greater support from this ministry as it, as it launches? So it's the same answer. Just reach out. Um, we want to support you. We want to support every child and family. Um, you can get in touch with me, Jill, Carrie, or Keith, the family life pastors at each location, or your child's small group leaders, um, so that we can get to know you and your child better. We want to know how to best support your your child and make their experience here awesome and help them engage in relationship with their uh, fellow students and leaders. Um, we would also ask you to be patient with us. Um, like we've said many times, we're on this journey together, but just know that our doors are open and our leaders have have been trained, have been part of this conversation and have hearts that want to serve you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in addition, I, I hope one perspective that's on all of our radars now is friends or family members with children of special needs that for whom church has been inaccessible uh, up till now. Uh, What can we do as a membership across all of our locations to invite them to experience our kids ministry and to experience Southridge in a way that's now a little bit more prepared for them and more importantly, prepared now to partner with helping to meet their needs to a greater degree. Well, I'm sure that lots of parents, if their childs do have special needs, have a sense of nervousness or maybe a fear of leaving their kid in a new environment, even trying to go to a new building and not knowing how their child's going to react. Um, but just let them know that that we're doing this, that we're here for them. Um, we're happy to meet with parents, you know, before they even come. And we want to talk to them and get to know their child and get to know what their needs are. Um, advance notice of somebody with um, additional needs coming is great at this stage as we're launching. Um but it's not necessary. Like we, like I said, we've done this training and um, we want to be as ready and waiting as possible as we can. Um, but everyone's welcome, even if we don't know in advance that they're coming. Um, yeah, and if, if you already attend here and feel your child has needs that you haven't shared with us or, you know, even other things that you think would be helpful for leaders to know, like don't be afraid to reach out to your kids' leaders, talk to them on a Sunday, send an email so that we know what works for your child. Yeah, cool. Um, Final question, we'll wrap up. Uh, Just looking forward, paint a picture for us of what you sense, kind of quarterbacking this, Jade, what you sense God could do as he opens this door to more deliberately and more effectively serve children with special needs. Yeah, well, I think one of the main hearts behind this that we haven't touched on yet is that we at Southridge are a community of people who seek to support and grow in relationship 
with the marginalized. So this is not new for our community. This is just a different group that may have felt excluded in the past or that may not have access to the same things that lots of us take for granted. Um, and we just want to be supporting them better. Um, yeah, not just in family ministry, but in our church as a, as a whole. I would love to see our entire church and community be more welcoming and inclusive and mindful of this. When they see people in the cafe or sitting with them or if somebody makes a noise during the service to just appreciate that everybody's experiencing church differently and worshiping God differently and has different needs and perspectives and for this to really be a no judgment zone not just in our kids programs i love the i love the heart behind that and i hope our members are hearing this is more than just a program right around here i think more than anything we're not a programs based church we're a lifestyle based church and this is rooted way less in a program or a strategy and way more in a lifestyle of inclusivity, a lifestyle of compassion and justice, and ultimately as a missional church, a lifestyle that increasingly is sensitized to marginalization mm-hmm. and reaches out, does our part to reach out to build that bridge. That's uh, certainly the heart behind it that I appreciate. And uh, Jade, I so much appreciate the contribution that you're making to this. Gang, I hope you get the sense. Uh, I was thinking as she was talking today, the, the the picture in 1 Corinthians 12 of the body of Christ with all of the parts. And the Apostle Paul says that, you know, some of the parts that are the least prominent are actually the most significant. I'm sure many of you had no idea that we had a family life admin person or administrative director in Jade Bowie, but this is a monster leader and she's doing great things for God in not just keeping our kids safe, but now advocating for new ministry areas like special needs. So Jade, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks to all of you for uh, for joining us again this week as we continue as a church in so many exciting ways to keep finding our way. Take care, everyone.